Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Enrique Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBT WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT Radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Well, greetings, sports fans. Welcome to the program here on WSBT Radio. Also at WSBTRadio.com, our free WSBT Radio app, and a live video feed right now on the Twitch app. Darren Pritchett with you. Join once again today for the 5 o'clock hour. He is the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com, part of the Rivals Network, Mr. Eric Hansen. And we have until 6.35 tonight, I believe. Actually, 6.45 is the end of our show tonight because the South Bend Cubs are nice enough to play at 7.05. So we get about an extra half hour of sports speed tonight here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Of course, Eric and I will be talking Notre Dame football throughout the hour. And I will take you into the 6 o'clock hour with my conversation with Tim Murray, the diehard Notre Dame football fan and host on the sports wagering channel, VEASAN, the prime time show that airs at 6 o'clock Eastern time. Tim and I spoke earlier today because when we air that interview, he's doing his show. So we talked earlier today, get his thoughts on the win over Navy why there is not a line for Notre Dame-Tennessee State right now. And I also asked him, there are spreads for future Notre Dame games throughout their schedule. Which one is the most enticing for him? So we'll let Tim answer all those questions when he joins me a little after 6 o'clock here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, we welcome Eric back to the program, and you are a part of Marcus Freeman's zoom chat today which was about what 15 minutes long and i guess two things came out of it the first one 
is the fact he feels like the team has adjusted very well coming back from overseas. The final exam will be Saturday, but it sounds like so far so good. Yeah, you know, when Notre Dame and Navy tried to do this a few years ago in 2020, there was a bye week scheduled after it, and then Notre Dame would open its home schedule against Arkansas. So this time they decided not to put the bye there, play an FCS team and place that bye later in the season. But they also had a much better plan about coming back from Ireland. Before it was kind of like, okay, let's just get on the plane and, you know, wake up and whatever. And and so they they actually stayed overnight and then left the next day thinking that would help them adjust to the time change. Then Marcus was open to shortening practices and maybe going a little less physical. What he's found is he hasn't had to do quite as much of that. They shaved 10 minutes off of Tuesday's practice, five off of Wednesday's, and yet they were able to have a pretty physical practice on Tuesday. And he said the Wednesday practice was the best Wednesday practice they've had maybe since he's been at Notre Dame. So um, all's well so far uh, in terms of getting their timing back, their legs back, going into Saturday's game, which in 2012 was a big problem. They were – you know, sluggish in that 2012 game. And the other piece of information that came out of today's Marcus Freeman presser is the fact, a guy that we're very high on, and that is tight end Eli Raritan coming off his second ACL tear and surgery, same knee. Marcus offered an update on his status. Yeah, we've, you know, you and I have talked since I've been back on the show about this, and we weren't we're hesitant to count on Eli when Eli hoped the timeline would be, which was either for the Navy opener or right after it. And it looks like it's going to be at least two more games. Um, and then we'll see. And again, it's not that he's had a setback with the torn ACL from last October. It's just, making sure everything's perfect. You know, he tore that ACL twice in 10 months, the same one. Mm. So they're just being smarter with it, making sure the leg strength is proper, making sure that he's in game ready because they have other tight ends they can use right now. Uh, But they'd sure like to add him to that repertoire because he could really be good. Sophomore doesn't have his first career catch yet in the five games he played, but one of the better run blockers on the team in that small sample size. It would not be a shock once he is healthy and ready to go if he doesn't go right into the rotation with his skill set. I would not yep. be shocked at all. All right, the Irish are 1-0. They will host Tennessee State Saturday, 3.30 kickoff here on WSBT Radio. Pre-game coverage starts at 10 a.m. Game day sports beat presented by Bud Light with Eric Hansen, Tyler Horka, and I will be live from Notre Dame Stadium from noon until 2.30. Hope you'll tune in. And we just talk a little Notre Dame football just like you do around the barber shop. So hope you'll join us for that coming up on Saturday. All right, away we go with our hat trick of opening topics for tonight. And I promise I am pushing every ounce of voice I have into the microphone. It's not helping a whole lot, but I'll make it through. It happens like twice a year, Eric. You've, you've dealt with me for years. When my voice goes, it it goes. So... Well, that's what you get for singing all the time. 
Well, sure not, because I've been cheering a lot for the St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> it's been more, oh my gosh, what is happening? Okay, here we go. First topic I want to get to. Eric, I want to get your takeaways on the Irish defensive line and their performance against Navy. And I know it's a different style offense that they faced, but can you take some things away from that performance that might lead you to believe here on out taking on more conventional offenses, this group will be just as good, if not better. Yeah, I, I think there are, and I, I uh, had a chance to ask Al Golden about this, so I'll cheat off of his paper a little bit too. Um, you know, just the f- tackling, you know, sure tackling. Notre Dame got very good tackling grades. Their ability to adjust to things that they hadn't seen on film and hadn't seen in practice, I thought really good grades there. Um, and, you know, there were um, the ability to get a lot of players on the field depth. So playing with different combinations next to you, behind you, that was good. The communication was super. And then he said pretty much beyond that, there's not a lot you can take. Uh, because you're not going to see things like Navy does on offense for much of the rest of the season. And so, again, when people said, wow, you know, there was that one pass where the two receivers, they were lucky they ran into each other. That was a play they hadn't seen before. So, um, and Notre Dame will get, you know, more conventional personnel on the field. We'll see different packages. We'll see pass rush. So those are all new kind of elements. But, but again, you hold anybody to 169 yards, which is the third best total since 2010. I think you got to feel pretty good about your first step into the season. Based on the two Navy wide receivers running into each other, you can tell it was a very new play, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Holy cow. So is there possibly a player or two that from the defensive line that did not have as big a role in this game that might have a bigger role going forward? Or did we see pretty much everybody that we should expect against conventional offenses in that Navy game? Boy, they rotated really heavily in the first and second group. And and Gabe Rubio is part of the second group. And, And that group got about 24 reps. The starters got about 31. And there were fifty only 55 defensive plays. You know, usually in a game you have 60-something. So that wasn't a whole lot of opportunities. Donovan Heinish came in for Gabe Rubio, so I think we'll see some Donovan Heinish. But you may see um, some other guys like Bubakar Triori, a freshman, because that, you know, the option wasn't his thing. You know, Tyson Ford might get some opportunities. You may see Aiden Kiana Ina. Uh, nose guard who's a senior bigger nose guard you may see him come in and play some this game they may get into their threes a little bit more in their younger players Eric for our Irish fans out there that maybe have not heard about Bubakar at all can you offer a little insight what you saw in fall camp that <laughs> this young guy has really shown out for the coaches very early on in his Notre Dame career and it's amazing Darren because he played his high school ball in Massachusetts so he didn't have a sophomore season 
played his junior year, and that's where he got on the radar. He was a top 250 prospect. Then he got hurt either the first or second game of their senior his senior season, missed the whole rest of the season, so he dropped out of the top 250. Was committed to Boston College at first, and then Notre Dame flipped him into their class. And um, he is athletic. He's got really good pass rush moves. We, Where we got to see a lot of Bubakar was at the media open practice at Teachers Credit Union School Field, yep. which is one of the high school fields here in South Bend. And I'm like, who's 51? <laughs> He's in the backfield constantly. Now, it wasn't against Joe Alt, but it was against some pretty good, talented offensive linemen that he was going against. And he, I think, is a guy that could see some action this year. Not, you know, with the first team and so forth, but I think instead of being a, a back burner kind of redshirt guy, I think you'll see them try to work him into as many games as they can get him in just because of his burst. Eric Hansen, the publisher of InsideIndieSports.com. I'm Darren Pritchett, 519 Sports Beat underway here on WSBT Radio. Topic number two is a seven man receiver rotation realistic throughout a season? I think six is. Um, Notre Dame is playing almost all of their healthy receivers. Uh, you know, Braylon James is kind of a back burner guy. And Jordan Faison is a walk-on who I think is pretty talented, who may get in this week um, at the end of the game. But you've, you've pretty much got everybody else playing. So if you go from seven to six, who do you cut out? And I think Matt Salerno is probably the guy that has the least uh, ability to stay in that rotation if you're going to shrink it down. But I, I think you got six guys that can really contribute, and then it's going to be how many reps do you do in those timeshares? you got Jaden Thomas and Deion Colsey sharing a spot. You have Chris Tyree and Jaden Greathouse sharing the slot. You have Tobias Merriweather and Rico Flores Jr. sharing a spot. That that field receiver was the least productive in the Navy game, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be there the whole season. The other thing, Darren, is Notre Dame was 12 personnel, which, which is two tight ends last season. So when you have the two tight ends and one running back, you only have two wide receivers on the field at the same time. This year, I think we're going to see some four wide receiver sets, some five wide receiver sets. So I think it makes it more possible to get those six receivers on and keep them in a rhythm. I'm sure with Navy's blitz packages, that's a good reason to yeah. have Evans and Stays out there for, what, almost 50 snaps each in the ballgame. Right. Merriweather did come up in Marcus's presser today, and Merriweather had two balls thrown his way, did not – have a reception. One was extremely catchable. Didn't work out. But Marcus was quick to point out that there were some things not on the stat sheet that would make Merriweather's day better than you might think. Yeah, I mean, what what Marcus was implying that I'll say for him is that he uh, ran good routes when he wasn't thrown to. He also did 
blocked very well in the running game. He got a high running grade, running game grade in his run blocking. So those are two really good things. According to Marcus, again, we haven't seen all the practices. We see snippets, and we saw two complete practices. One of them was on the first day. So one real practice yeah. that we saw the whole thing. And in that in that particular practice, he, he and the offense didn't have a great day. But Marcus says, in general, he's been having very good practices, and they're very high on him. Okay, third and final opening topic. And Eric, does it make sense for Notre Dame play an FCS school like Tennessee State? This is the first time the Irish have went down that road. <laughs> so I, I'm, according to your Twitter survey, I'm going to make half the people mad and half the people happy. <laughs> I'm okay with this. I like the fact that they're playing in HBCU. I think that's a great opportunity. I, I also think, yeah, if you're going to put a game after Ireland an FCS opponent makes more sense than putting a power five team again in 2020 they played Arkansas or they would have played Arkansas after the Navy game but with a game with a week in between that can you imagine having to come back and play Arkansas you know right after playing Navy yeah physical Arkansas team that would have been mm, not good not good and and they played a kind of a middling Purdue team in 2012 and escape that 27, 20 to 17. So I, 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 you know, I realize it's breaking tradition. I think as long as you don't litter your schedule with FCS teams and, you know, I think this is kind of a cool one with Eddie George being the coach of this team. I think I'm okay with it. I'm on board with them playing an FCS team. I'm not afraid to say it, Darren. Say it loud. Say it proud. <laughs> well, I think for the people that are against this, I think tradition has a lot to do with it. Yeah. But a lot of traditions have been broken, and everything's just fine. But I'll say this. If you don't like the idea of this game, then you should be against going overseas and playing in Ireland because there just aren't many great options coming back you can't, as you mentioned, take on even a poor Purdue team. That was a struggle in 2012. And now, Eric, we didn't know at the time that day when Tommy Reese led that two-minute drill to set up the game-winning field goal that that saved a trip to the BCS title game. Yeah. If they lose to Purdue with jet lag and a hangover being a major problem that day, that cost them a chance to go to the playoff. They would not have recovered to make the playoff, I don't think. 11-1. Right, and one, the BCS, they which would, was only two teams. Correct. Yeah. They would not have faced Alabama that day. So if you're anti-FCS or taking on Tennessee State, you should probably be against the team going overseas because you can't play Toledo, can't play Purdue, you can't play any team that could really give you a tussle and wreck everything right. you're trying to accomplish. Your goals could go away just like that. Right. Now, what you need to do is take care of business Saturday. You can't do what Notre Dame did against Ball State and Vanderbilt in 2018 and mess around and make those games one-possession games in the fourth quarter. So you, you need to take care of business. I'm not expecting Notre Dame to destroy Tennessee State. I think there might be some respect in the fourth quarter. I don't think Marcus Freeman wants to hang a, a 72 to nothing loss on Eddie George. You know, I, I you want to win the game convincingly. You want to play well. But 
I don't think he wants to run up the score in Tennessee State. Do you do you agree? I don't think so, but I, I also think it's important not to tap the brakes too early. Not I thirty eight to nothing. Yeah, it's gotta be Yeah, you gotta be put and and again with the depth that this team has, you owe it to those players to let them play. You know, I remember um gosh, it was maybe ninety six. There was a running back from Hammond Knoll named Rusty Setzer and Luke, they were playing, I think Rutgers, and and they had Rusty run out of bounds because the game had gotten so lopsided. And that, you don't want to have to do that. But you, yeah, you don't want Sam Hartman in there in the fourth quarter no. when it's 65 to nothing uh, throwing to Tobias Merriweather. This is the game. Just get off to a great start, build a very, very comfortable lead, and let your friends down the depth chart play a lot in this game. This is right. a great opportunity it, for them. It, it's going to be a high of 90 or, or really? high 80s on Saturday, too, so you do want to get a lot of people in the game and keep them fresh. Remember your sunglasses. I have them right here. <laughs> Those are still the same ones you had, like, moons ago, right? They are, but I have, I have broken identical pairs before and then reordered them on Amazon. So you have a stock. Well, I, I know where to go to get new ones. Those are famous glasses. So My granddaughter has matching ones that are oh, littler than perfect. this. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah, so we wear them together. Love it. Love it. All right, 527 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. He's Eric Hansen, the fighting the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com. Some habits are not going to go away, Eric. That's okay. <laughs> you can demote me, promote me. No, 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 no. It's just, I said it the other way for so many years. It's like Sam Hartman. I got to get rid of all the Wake Forest terminology out of my head because I'm now Notre Dame terminology. You're no longer in the slow mesh radio offense. That's exactly right. I'm in the high class rivals network. Okay. At InsideIndieSports.com. He's Eric. I'm Darren. We'll come back. And speaking of InsideIndieSports.com, I snooped around in Eric's live chat that he had on Wednesday and decided, you know what, we're going to bring some of those questions to life and we're going to check to see if Eric has changed his answer from what he had on Wednesday. <laughs> Am I allowed to do that? <laughs> yes. Yes, you can. All right, we'll have that conversation coming up on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Abby Wepler. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. And a diving catch by Notre Dame. Benjamin Morrison. Three interceptions on the day. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Intercepted on the 45-yard line. Tariq Bracey. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. He will score. 10-5 touchdown. Benjamin Morrison. 95 yards out. Well, we didn't get to hear Benjamin's name a whole lot last Saturday because the Navy game, he was a little bit more on the sideline than normal. But the good news is plenty of opportunities for another pick six coming up over the next few weeks. In fact, that NC State game next week. Pretty good quarterback in Brennan Armstrong, now the Wolfpack signal caller. Maybe Morrison goes pick six on the old Virginia quarterback. 534 at WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. He is Eric Hansen. 
the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com. And sometime in the future, you'll be able to say the seven-time publisher and editor. (laughs) I will make sure I make it sound even better now each time I say it from now on. How about that? Beautiful. Well, at the historic and spectacular InsideIndieSports.com on Wednesday, Mr. Hansen held a chat with Fighting Irish fans. And I've grabbed some of the questions just to spark a conversation here on the program. Well, and I'll tell you, we want to thank our sponsor, JNR Solutions, who sponsors that chat and does business with WSBT Radio, too. Yes, they do. We thank them very, very much. And here we go with the first question. Okay. Okay, Jim from California, baby. Would you not agree... See, I'm trying to spice it up for you, Eric. I'm trying. Okay. All right. Would you not agree that Jared Parker should make it a high priority this week to get Tobias Merriweather and the Titans actively involved in the pass game? After all, it's hard to imagine the Notre Dame offense being anywhere near its best if the aforementioned aren't playing a meaningful role as the season unfolds. I wouldn't put so much stock that if one guy turns out to be not as good as we thought, I think the offense is going to be just fine. Right. But you see how sometimes they try to lead you with the answer. Would you not agree? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you want to get your tight ends involved and you want to get Tobias involved. Tobias got two targets. The tight ends didn't get any. Nobody had more than four. And Jaden Thomas was the only person that had four. Um, so you had 10 different targets. It got spread around. It's going to get spread around. I don't think you artificially force it to those people, but I think in the normal rhythm of your offense, you're going to find Tobias. You're going to find the tight ends, and that's going to make your offense better. More than likely, you're not going to see as much 12 personnel this week against Tennessee State. You might see tight ends catch passes, but right. this is going to be more right. multiple wide receivers because I think, Eric, they want to get these great athletes in space against Tennessee State. Well, will the 12 personnel or two tight ends and one running back with two wide receivers, that was Notre Dame's identity for the three years Tommy Reese was the offensive coordinator, and it served them largely pretty well. I think if you're going to win playoff games, you need to do both. You need to be dynamic with a lot of wide receivers because – some people match up well against multiple tight ends. So you need to be do be able to do different things. And so that's always going to be in the toolbox, but I don't think it's going to be the dominant identity of this team. And you don't have a Michael Mayer type player or a Cole Komet type player on this roster. Not as of yet. Right now. now they might be developing, right? but as of right now, not yet. Right. Next up from the InsideIndieSports.com, Spectacular chat. We have Tim from Wisconsin. Why do you suppose Estime, Hartman, and some other starters were left in the game so late after the game had been basically decided? Well, I think you got to remember you're trying to find a balance between getting the game work in that you need for your offense and then and then not risking injury for them. Now, the number of possessions in this game was really seven. Notre Dame had an eighth possession 
that went 13 yards. So basically you had seven. Um, typically, like Notre Dame last year had averaged 12. They never had a game where they had less than 10. So with a new quarterback getting that line together, getting all those pieces together, I think Marcus Freeman wanted to keep that group together at least through seven possessions. If, if it had been a 12-possession game, then you would have seen a lot more of the reserves, uh, which was the average last year. It just didn't happen in this game. Wouldn't you also agree, to build on your statement, the fact you have Tennessee State the next week, who may not be, well, let's face it, they're not going to be as much of a challenge defensively as Navy was, that you want to get as many reps against better competition than you can leading into the NC State game because you're probably not going to be challenged as much physically in this game this week. You won't be challenged as much physically, although Tennessee State is better defensively than they are offensively. But Navy's scheme and their experience and their success last year against the run and their commitment to stopping the run is is very challenging. So, yeah, I I think – and I think you will see more possessions. You'll see more three and outs. Tennessee State's not going to be able to sit on the ball the way Navy does with its triple option. I think there's going to be a party in the backfield. Do you? Okay. Yeah, I think so. I think the quarterbacks well, for Tennessee State are going to have a long day. Well, you know, what What happens to Notre Dame sometimes in that situation is the quarterback gets, the, like Marshall last year, their quarterback was firing that ball out instantly before Notre Dame could get to him. Got to do. Well, you got to make them pay for those patterns and you got to be all over those and Notre Dame wasn't. That's one of the reasons they lost to Marshall. Then you could get them in third and longs and then they can't just fire the ball out quickly. Well, they've got the corners that can get up in the face of those TSU receivers and say you're not going to be able to get rid of that ball quick enough and then the party starts. Okay. All right. There all right. you go. Next up, a question for Eric from Mark from California. What do you want to see from Notre Dame in this week's game to make you believe this team has a very high ceiling? Um, We talked about this a little bit yesterday. I always kind of revert back to those five metrics that are, are, and I think you can do that in every game, run defense, pass efficiency, run, rush offense, total defense, a turnover margin. If you're improving and good in those five things, you're generally going to be really good in other things. In addition to those, turnover margin, I would like to see Notre Dame get takeaways. You know, they didn't have any in the Navy game. They were close. Um, Keep the red zone defense improvement up and the pass rush. We need to see a pass rush in this game. Notre Dame is going to be good against good offensive lines and good quarterbacks later when they really need to be. They need to be good at that this Saturday. And obviously you want to see them, the depth. You know, there wasn't a drop-off when those twos came in on defense. You want to see that keep up this week. All right, Eric Hansen, we're reading through his chat at IndieInsider.com and going through the questions and offering a few to Eric. And here's the next one, Jeff from Arizona wants to know once the coaches have seen three to four games of receiver productivity is it possible to get our three best receivers on the field regardless of position designations that's an interesting question 
You know, I think that those guys are um, in a pos- in the positions that they are based on how it can help your offense the most. For example, you want elite speed at the field receiver because if they are like Will Fuller, then they put that opposing defensive coordinator in a real pickle all the time. He's either got to help there and then open up your running game and the other things in the passing game, or he's got to deal with Will Fuller or whoever it is, Tobias, one-on-one. And then what happens is what happened in the Pittsburgh game when Pat Narduzzi did that, and it's just pitch and catch from Deshaun Geiser to Will Fuller. It was like, are you kidding me? So – so there's a reason, and, and your boundary receivers generally are getting one-on-one matchups. They're physical receivers that can jump up and get contested catches. And then the slot receivers, you know, they don't necessarily have to be somebody that's adept at press coverage because they're not getting that. They're, they have a kind of a free release being a slot receiver. And so there's reasons why. But there are people, there are, Jaden Thomas can play other positions, Um and if you don't get production from one of those receiver positions, you could scramble it a little bit. Or if Deion Colsey forced the issue, but again, we've talked we talked about this a little earlier in the program. Four and five wide receiver sets too. That gets even more of those guys on the field at the same time, and we'll see some of those. Is it possible to say the word pet? Narduzzi and not laugh right after it. <laughs> well, it's it's hard because um, he always is complaining about something, including Notre Dame. Right. All right. Marie from Georgia asked Eric if you could improve one thing only that would help Notre Dame beat Ohio State. What would it be? So, if it's only one thing, I would say the pass rush. Ohio State is one of the few teams that Notre Dame plays this year that truly has a first-time starting quarterback. There are teams like Louisville that have new quarterbacks, but they're not new to college football. Jack Plummer, for example, Louisville's number one quarterback, he has started against Notre Dame for two different teams. He was Cal starter last year, and he was Purdue starter a few years ago. Uh, so, And then they that was the game they kind of switched to Aiden O'Connell at the end. But uh, – so for for Notre Dame to level the playing field in that game with those great receivers, the best receivers Notre Dame will see all year, a really good running game, for them to have a pass rush and to get that quarterback McCord off his game. And, and, and you're, you're going to need it in the USC game. You're going to need it in the Clemson game. So that would be why I would pick that one element. Okay, Dave. If I was limited to one. Just one, that's right. Dave from Ohio, after one game, can we conclude that Hartman raises the ceiling or is everyone overreacting to a good performance against what he calls a bad Navy team? Right. I, I don't think there's any overreacting here um, based on the full context of that game, the fact of what Navy did that makes them so difficult. And, and we brought the stat up yesterday, thanks, Pete Sampson, against the Blitz, and, and we don't we haven't seen numbers like this, against the Blitz with the basically the same personnel Navy had on defense last year, Sam Hart was 9 of 9 for 137 yards and a touchdown against the Blitz. 
Uh, so, no, I, I think based on what we've seen from Sam Hartman at Wake Forest, based on what we've seen from Sam Hartman in practices and against what he termed a bad Navy team, I think it's okay to be excited about Sam Hartman raising the ceiling. Okay. And finally, Skip from Texas. Hey, Skip. Skip. All right. Which recruit will be the next to sign with Notre Dame? Or maybe he means commit. Commit, right, because none of them sign until December. And let's look at the 2024 class. I I think it's Garby Lambert, a really good offensive tackle from Massachusetts, high school teammate of Bubakar Traore. Those guys are pretty good friends. And, again, uh, it looked like – Gerby was leaning to go to Boston College. I think Notre Dame is going to end up with him, and that's going to be a really good get for Joe Rudolph. Okay, very good. That would be incredible. That's a guy who would be a candidate to start at tackle next year. Okay. Candidate, right? Your opinion. Right. I said a candidate. Right. Not guaranteeing it, saying he would be in the conversation. If, If Alt and Fisher both left, then I think Baker and Emil Wagner would be the favorites, but certainly Garby Lambert could get get his foot in the door. He's advanced. He's he's very advanced physically and mentally. I think Fisher would have a decision. He could go, but Eric, it would be enticing if he can play left tackle to move over there next year because that would improve his draft status. The following year. Now, I don't know if he's a left tackle, Eric. Maybe he's more suited for right tackle. I'm just saying if he's capable of playing left tackle, that would be an interesting decision to make. Well, Notre Dame certainly thought he was a left tackle when he was a freshman because that's where he started his first game. He's the first Notre Dame freshman ever to start at left tackle. Uh, The other tackles that had started had started at right tackle. Now Joe Alt became the second one to do it so now they just there's Garby Lambert's going to be the third but no but uh (laughs) but I tried to pose that question to Fisher and he was not tricked by my um cunning question I said you know do you think down the line you might be a left tackle and that you know and that might encourage you to "Ah, I'm not thinking about that you know he's like I'm thinking it one game at a time so That media trickery he wasn't falling for. I tried to be clever, but it didn't work. Good try. Yeah, I think I was better at phrasing it. That The way I phrased it, I wouldn't have answered it either, the way that I just did there. You just got to hold up a stopwatch and move it back and forth and put him in a trance, and then he'll give you everything well, you're looking for. I will say this. I mean, he the first time we talked to Blake, he did not have a filter. He's got more of a filter now. He's more measured and I think some of that is he feels like he's a team leader and he doesn't want to say something that's going to end up on somebody's bulletin board. Smart. Smart. All right. You can read Eric's transcript from his chat from Wednesday at InsideIndieSports.com. And by golly, you can be a part of the chat. What, next Wednesday? That's right. Wednesday at noon? You're going to have to fight Marie to get on in the chat. But uh, – this is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Go Tigers! <laughs> We're back on Sports Beat. 5.54 is our time. I'm Darren Pritchett with Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com, part of the Rivals Network. 
Yesterday's program, our Twitter X question of the day. Do you like new college football? Do you like the new college football rule where the clock doesn't stop when an offense picks up a first down? The exceptions, if you run out of bounds, or inside the final two minutes of each half. So do you like the fact now it's like the NFL, the clock does not stop on a first down? 53% said, yes, I like the running clock. 47% say, no, they did not like the clock running. So, Eric, one game in the books. Any thoughts on the new rule? I, I, I mean, we only saw seven games. I think we, I need to see more before I get I'll, – I'll come up with an answer. I mean, I'll pick one. But I think it's going to hurt teams coming back, even though the clock stops within the two minutes. You usually start your comeback outside of that. And so clock management's going to have to be different. Maybe it'll cut down on some of those teams that come from behind. So I'm going to say, no, I don't like it. I'm not in a hurry to get anywhere. I mean, if all it's going to save is three minutes of actual time, you know, did we really save that much? And then we're we're changing the game for that? I'm not a big fan. I wonder if it has more to do with player safety and getting the game over. I don't know. I think the, the reason that was given when they were proposing this, at least, was that you weren't getting games, you know, the college fans were getting bored from games that went beyond three and a half hours and that you weren't able to fit into those three and a half hour TV windows. It was more of a TV thing. So if it's player safety, I would be more for it. But I'm, I'm not sure you're cutting out that many plays. It hurts the teams that love to pound the rock, baby. We're just gonna pound the rock, man. We're gonna keep on coming. <laughs> so, so uh, put me down for no. I don't like the clock running. Okay, very good. Today's question: You're probably not a fantasy football guy because you don't have any time for I fantasy football. The don't. NFL. Yeah. So here is today's question: In a fantasy football draft, which is taking place all across the country, I'm sure this weekend, which quarterback would you take first among these four? Joe Burrow of the Bengals, Justin Fields of the Bears, Lamar Jackson of the Ravens, Justin Herbert of the Chargers. A couple of old Buckeyes. That almost seems like a trick question. Isn't that an easy question? See, I don't play fantasy football, so I don't know. You get extra points if your quarterback runs. Uh So, so like, if he has 45 rushing yards, it's 4.5 points. So you only get a point for every, like, 10 or 25 yards passing. So... Uh, Field set over 100 yards a couple of times. If there's math involved, I'm never going to get into fantasy football. <laughs> you can vote right now on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. And now, what's coming up at InsideIndieSports.com? Well, Marcus Freeman had a Zoom at, at um, today at noon. I got all the details from... The latest with the Notre Dame football team in that notebook. I led with the Tobias Merriweather situation and uh, how they're very high on him. He's still very high on having a big role in this offense. Tyler James did a feature on Deion Colsey, another one of the wide receivers. Uh, We have a three-point stance from our national writer, Clint uh, Cosgrove, who looked at all the best freshmen in week zero, and two of them were Notre Dame players. And, of course, 
much, much more. Go Tigers. All right. Very good. <laughs> I'm looking forward to checking out InsideIndieSports.com after the show. And don't forget, Eric will join me and Tyler Horkus Saturday live from Notre Dame Stadium. Game Day Sports Beat presented by Bud Light from noon until 2.30. Thank you, sir. Enjoyed it as always. Enjoy a nice, quiet night tonight. Maybe watching a little NC State UConn, and we will see you at the old ball yard on Saturday. Sounds great. That is Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com. I should call him a Hall of Famer. That would spice it up. You are a Hall of Famer. I am. I'm not sure how that happened, but I'll take it. Hall of Famer Eric Hansen joining me this hour here on WSBT Radio. We'll take a timeout. Sports wagering talk and some Notre Dame football talk with VEASAN's Tim Murray coming up on WSBT. For many children in Northern Indiana, school meals are the only meals they can count on. I'm Mary Jo Martinek with the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Our Food for Kids backpack program supplies students with food for weekends and holiday breaks. $150 feeds one child for the school year. Help provide kids with tools to be successful in school and life. Find out how at feedindiana.org. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Gives to Estime. He leaps at the one and goes over the strike. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Hartman keeps it, runs it up the middle, bulldozing to the end zone, and he's in. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Low snap, hands off inside to Estime. 10-5. He'll get there. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Speed on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. It's time for our weekly conversation with Tim Murray, diehard Notre Dame football fan and host out in Las Vegas for VEASAN's primetime show. We'll talk some Notre Dame football. We'll talk some wagering all into one conversation. Tim, how are things in Vegas this week? Darren, they're good. We're fired up. Um, you know, we got five games and uh, or five days of games here for college football, and then uh, the folks that uh, prefer the NFL, we're a week away from that. So, no, things are, are ramping up. It is a, it is certainly a time to be excited to be in Las Vegas. Am I correct that the NFL might be the most difficult of the sports to handicap? Well, I think. Your point is accurate in this regard. It is the tightest market, right? You have okay. the, you know, the probably the, the least edge, if you so to speak, when it comes to betting into those lines. So, you know, you're going to have people that are going to have big years, uh, no doubt about it. But, um, you know, when you think about like college basketball, and, you know, finding uh, edges there, uh, you certainly could find more edges there than in a sport like the NFL, where there's so many eyeballs. And there's so many dollars invested in it from a betting standpoint of things. I remember last week we had a conversation about Notre Dame's win total for the year eight and a half. Did that change at all based on how good they looked against Navy on Saturday? You know, usually most markets there when it comes to win totals kind of go off the board once okay. they play their first game. Uh, there are certain places um, that will do adjusted win totals. Um, but yeah, I would say, you know, I was talking to one sports book director here in Las Vegas earlier this week, and, uh, you know, he was pretty bullish on Notre Dame this year. And he said when 
the influential betters kind of came in, the, the professionals, the sharps, he actually lowered his power rating two points on Notre Dame to, wow. to kind of be in lockstep with them. And then when he saw the Notre Dame Navy game, he actually said he raised it back up a point. So, hmm. yeah, I mean, I think uh, opinions have, have changed a little bit. Uh, I know certainly I'm, I'm sure folks in, in South Bend and on, and on your program have, have discussed, you know, uh, don't don't get over, too overly excited. But um, when you look at a place like DraftKings, who does do kind of uh, updated win total bets, uh, Notre Dame is now sitting at nine, hmm. uh, and it's you know minus one twenty-five to the under when it was probably around minus one sixty-ish uh, at its peak before you know a lot of shops went down to eight and a half. So yeah, there has been certainly after just one game and a game they were expected to win, obviously them being a 20 and a half point favorite, but there has been some adjustment, albeit slight mm -hmm. uh, in Notre Dame uh, when it comes to the uh, eyes of odds makers. Tim, how did that game change your thinking about your football team? Well, I think, you know, for me, it, it gave me reassurance that the floor is maybe higher than I expected. Now, you know, could, could they prove us wrong and go to NC state next week and lose or go to Louisville or go to Duke or, Post Pittsburgh, you know, all those games are going to be tricky. And you look at some of the point spreads out there, you know, Notre Dame's in that four-and-a-half-point favorite range against Louisville uh, the week after they play Ohio State, uh, you know, six-point favorite against NC State next week. Uh, we'll see what that is after both those teams, you know, take the field this weekend. NC State plays tonight against UConn, which is kind of an interesting uh, spot for, for the Wolfpack. But, you know, for me, it, it gave me a little bit more reassurance. You know, we talked about a couple weeks ago where uh, camp and the reports that, that we had heard, I was starting to get a little more encouraged uh, by the de defensive side of things and the defensive line. But the, the wide receivers did, you know, give me some pause. And, and look, you know, it's one game. Uh, seeing Jaden Greathouse catch a couple touchdowns got me pretty excited. Uh, Jaden Thomas and his it seems like rapport with uh, with Sam Hartman. I won't call him Sam Howe. I know I slipped <laughs> last week on the show and called him Sam Howe. Sam Hartman. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's still some questions, right? You know, uh, Merriweather uh, dropped his, his lone, uh, you know, pass that was thrown his way, and, and that's someone I think Notre Dame fans are still waiting for him to pop. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of – I would say the floor has been raised, uh, and, and I think now, you know, when I wrote up Notre Dame in our – decent college football betting guy, Darren, I said it was more likely that Notre Dame would go eight and four than 10 and two, in my opinion, but I thought it was a nine and three football team. Mm -hmm. I would flip that now. I would say it's more likely they go 10 and two than eight and four after what we saw from Sam Hartman and the collective unit in game one. Isn't it amazing when you have a veteran quarterback that just continues to look down the field? Remember that play? Flushed out of the pocket, running to his left, looked like he was going to take off and get seven or eight yards, but he kept his head up and found Great House in the end zone for an easy touchdown. Those are just plays that probably don't happen last year. No, there's no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, watching that, uh, you know, I, I tongue-in-cheek put out, uh, I'm enjoying uh, having Sam Hartman, or I like Sam Hartman, something to that effect on, on social media. And, you know, you got your typical blowback, oh, it's just maybe – and I'm like, yeah, I guess, but it's also a Navy team that brought back nine starters from their defense. Uh, yes, they have a new defensive coordinator, but it's still Brian Newberry there, a guy that is, you know, the head coach and has, you know, taken over this position. So as my dog is uh, 
very angry with uh, with my assessment there. But uh, no, that play to me was the uh, was the most exciting one uh, of the day. Was the fact that he eluded that pressure, kept his eyes up, and that's that. There's no day, no way that's a touchdown last year. Tim Murray, Veasan host. You can catch him on. YouTube TV on the VEASAN channel. Also, check out VEASAN.com, V-S-I-N.com, to get an audio presentation of his program, which airs weekdays at 6 Eastern time. It's amazing to watch the running backs and the wide receivers, Tim. It's been a long time since those two spots have had so much talent and talent that has some pretty good ceiling. It'll be really interesting to see as we move down the line toward that Ohio State game if that rotation shortens at all, or if they're going to continue to go with a lot of guys at those two spots. Yeah, no, I mean, you think about, uh, you know, Jadarian Price's first touch, is, it goes for a touchdown. Um, you know, I, I think at some point we're going to see an explosive play or two from Jeremiah Love. But, you know, I, I love the fact that you see, uh, you know, in the videos that Notre Dame puts out, it seems like this is a pretty cohesive unit. And, you know, Devin Ford is a guy that probably won't get many touches this year, but I, 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 I kind of like having him in that room. He's, he's an adult. He's a grad transfer. I think he recognizes the talent that is in there and having someone like that in that room, uh, you know, and I have no, you know, inclination one way or the other, but just, I'm just, this is the sense I'm getting that having someone like Devin Ford in that room, seeing the talent that he was a part of with, uh, with the Penn state running back room, I do like the fact that he's in that room, and if he goes a game without a carry, I don't think he's going to have a big issue about it. But no, it is—it's exciting. Obviously, I think every Notre Dame fan, you know, when you when you look at the negative, you think about Audrey Estime and the fumble, and you think back to a couple of the situations last year where uh, he had a little fumbleitis going on. So hopefully, <laughs> that is not a concern moving forward. But no, there, there's no doubt when you look at uh, this running back room, and you look at. You know, albeit it's an undersized Navy team, but we know that they're usually aggressive. And I really enjoyed uh, the way that that offensive line came out firing and the aggressiveness we saw from the two guards and, and Coogan and Spindler. So um, I don't think we're going to be able to see a ton from this weekend's performance against, you know, Tennessee State. Uh, but then, you know, next weekend down in, in, in Raleigh, um, you know, how are they going to perform against what is expected to be a, a pretty solid defensive front there in NC State? Tim, for sports bettors in our market, maybe they're new to getting involved in some sports wagering. They've been on their phones all week, and most of the apps don't have any odds for the Notre Dame-Tennessee State game. Could you explain why there isn't a line throughout the week for that game? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, when you have games in, uh, with FCS opponents, uh, we usually don't get those lines until – the day of or maybe on Friday evening. So, you know, just keep an eye out. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, as we're, we're chatting here, we've got, uh, you know, uh, about eight games, uh, I think, actually seven games today with FCS and FBS opponents. Um, you know, Elon against Wake Forest, you know, I'm just that's the first game up. Those odds came out around, you know, 2 o'clock in the afternoon Eastern time. So uh, they're not going to be up long. Um, I would say maybe late Friday you'll start to see a couple Notre Dame, Tennessee state lines emerge, but mostly those will pop early, early Saturday morning. Do you have a guess or an idea what the line might be for the Irish? 
Uh, I'm guessing probably in like the 48 range, somewhere in that, somewhere in that like 45 to 48 range would be my guess. Uh, you know, I've seen a couple people power rate this. I think uh, S&P Plus, Bill Conley, I think he had this at 51. Um, you know, one uh, you know professional sports better that comes on Vsin Prime Time with me said he would actually look to take Tennessee State anything north of 45 with hmm. you know maybe a little bit of a a letdown, a little rust, you know, coming off of the Ireland game. But, yeah, I think you're probably going to see upper 40s there for Notre Dame and Tennessee State. Tim, how difficult is it to handicap a game like this? It's pretty challenging. Um, You know, you don't have a ton of, uh, you know, I think in general, week zero and week one, I've always said historically for me are, are some of my worst weeks. You know, I was fortunate to have a, a couple wins last week, uh, but ultimately I always kind of keep it pretty close to the vest. I'm not going nuts. I'm, I'm putting out just uh, some smaller bets, probably in the half unit range, just because you don't have a ton of feel. Now, there are people out there that, that I talk to all the time that have statistical models and have point models that are going to think that this is a week that you can really take advantage of uh, a particular spots. But, um, you know, as for Notre Dame, Tennessee State, the challenge of that, you know, when you're when you're talking about massive point spreads, you're always wondering, hey, second team, third team players, you know, what's their motivation in the fourth, third and fourth quarter? Marcus Freeman taking on Eddie George. Is he really going to want to run up the score on, you know, an Ohio State legend like that? And and look, we know that, you know, this game uh, with with the ACE, with an HBCU coming to South Bend and and uh, everything that's going to go into the lasting impact of this game, even offside, off the field, I do wonder if, if Notre Dame at some point, third, fourth quarter, kind of eases up a little bit because, you know, this isn't Navy last week. Look, Navy last week, I wasn't surprised to see Sam Hartman in, you know, as the fourth quarter started because, you know, last year Notre Dame was up 35-13 at the half and almost lost to Navy. So you knew they were going to be aggressive you knew they were going to kind of keep their foot on the pedal as long as they could or as long as they needed to. I don't think that's going to be case. this case. You know, do you get a sluggish start? We don't know. I mean, you also think back to the fact that Notre Dame has never played an FCS opponent. So, you know, what's the mindset going to be? You know, it, it, you know that complacency. I think that hopefully for the Irish, the good thing working for them is that this is the home opener. And honestly, I would think – the Central Michigan game to me would be a little bit more worrisome than this game when it comes to kind of beating buttoned up when you know at the Central Michigan game in two weeks, Darren, Ohio State is kind of lurking in the wings there, that being probably the biggest game of the entire season. Tim Murray, the host of Eason's Primetime Show, my guest here on WSBT Radio. It is week one, and I saw a tweet that you put out, I believe, yesterday Tim, there are a lot of home underdogs in this first week of the season. Give me a little idea of a couple of spots you're looking at that you find very interesting. Yeah, I'll give you a couple. Um, And, you know, there's no ranked versus ranked matchup on Saturday. The only one we have this week is, is the big one on Sunday with LSU taking on Florida State. But that being said, I think there are a couple interesting spots. So, you know, I mentioned the home dogs, um, you know, Colorado State's a team that I think uh, a lot of folks in, in my circles are, are pretty high on, and I am as well. Uh, I wrote up the Mountain West for the VEASAN guide, and uh, this is a Colorado State team, Jay Norvell, year number two. 
uh, brought in a bunch of talent in the portal, didn't lose a lot. And, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of movement here in favor of Colorado State, who's playing Washington State. That's a 7 o'clock p.m. game uh, on Saturday. So I think Colorado State's an intriguing spot. Uh, I don't personally have a bet on this game, but, you know, Wyoming is in prime time against Texas Tech. Uh, Texas Tech is a team that's got a lot of hype coming into this year. Uh, some people think they're a dark horse to potentially win the Big 12, Darren. And then you got a potential look-ahead factor where Texas Tech hosts Oregon next week. So a uh, really intriguing spot on Saturday night in prime time with Wyoming uh, visit or hosting Texas Tech, which would be uh, pretty neat for, for, for Wyoming. And then you got a couple other spots. San Jose State played last week, covered against USC. Uh, they get Oregon State on CBS. That's a Sunday, 3.30 Eastern game. Uh, San Jose State is, you know, unveiling uh, new uh, new renovations to their football stadium, and I thought they looked, you know, formidable last week against USC. Certainly could score with USC. I don't know about their defense. And then Monday night, a game that's going to have certainly a lot of intrigue from Notre Dame fans yeah. with two future opponents going head to head. You've got Duke taking on Clemson. Um, you know, personally, uh, I actually think Clemson. Uh, takes Duke a little bit to the woodshed here. Um, Duke's been getting some hype coming off of last year, winning nine games, but they didn't play Clemson last nope. year. They didn't play Florida State last year. They didn't play Notre Dame last year. So I think we're going to really find out who Duke is this year. But Riley Leonard, their quarterback, is is a legit pro, uh, and that is going to be fascinating to see. But I think Clemson, with Garrett Riley coming in from TCU as their new offensive coordinator, Kate Klubnick taking over, uh, I think this might be a situation where Clemson kind of tries to show the world who they are, uh, but another home dog situation. So, yeah, we've got, uh, you know, upwards of around 10, 11 uh, home dog situations mm. on Saturday and Sunday and, and then on Monday with the Duke-Clemson game. Tim, let me finish with this. You look at future Notre Dame lines. Is there any line that you find very intriguing at this moment? Yeah, I mean, I'll jump to the Notre Dame-Ohio State game. I, I think that's, you know, very intriguing right now because, you know, you look at Ohio State, uh, we know the talent that they have, Darren, but they have a massive question at the tackle position, and uh, that may be a weakness for Notre Dame, kind of taking advantage of a team like that. Uh, but I think you look at some of the question marks they have defensively. Uh, you look at the performance Sam Hartman had uh, in Week 0, and, you know, we haven't seen Kyle McCord yet. We haven't seen Devin Brown yet. Uh, what are these quarterbacks going to look like when they play Indiana on the road on Saturday? So uh, that game still being north of a touchdown, I think, is really intriguing where um, Notre Dame clearly is going to be up for that. I imagine the crowd is going to be uh, the best or, at worst, the second best of the season. My guess would be, Darren, it'll be the best uh, you know, uh, energy of the entire year. Uh, if Notre Dame takes care of NC State next week, I think Notre Dame and, and Ohio State certainly have a real good shot of hosting college game day uh, on that day in September. So I think that being north of a touchdown is, is pretty intriguing to me, uh, knowing that I think that this Notre Dame team can exploit some of the weaknesses that uh, this Ohio State team has. And also the fact that, you know, the, the biggest strength for Ohio State maybe the biggest strength for Notre Dame mm -hmm. in the cornerback position versus their wide receivers. So I think that's going to be a hell of a game. And uh, I think north of a touchdown kind of uh, is certainly appealing with the Irish at home. 
You can check out Tim tonight at 6 Eastern time with his co-host, the Super Bowl champion, Sean King. Again, VEASAN is available on YouTube TV, and you can go to their website, VEASAN.com, to hear the audio presentation of their program. Tim, good to catch up with you. I can't wait for next week. I'm intrigued by this NC State game, Armstrong getting back with his old offensive coordinator. I think we could have one heck of a football game next week, so I look forward to talking to you about it then. No doubt about it. Looking forward to seeing uh, what the Wolfpack bring to the table tonight when they're uh, yeah. in U- at UConn. All right, very good. Tim, thank you so much. Greatly appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. All right, sounds good. That's Tim Murray from VEASAN, and Sportsbeat continues next on WSBT. Budweiser's weekday Sportsbeat continues on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. WSBTradio.com, the WSBT radio app, and on Twitch. As Darren Pritchett talks Notre Dame football recruiting with Blue and Gold Illustrated insider Mike Singer. Good way to wrap up the program tonight. Again, we have South Bend Cubs baseball at 645. So let's talk some Notre Dame football recruiting with our good friend Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated. Well, you're the president of two very important fan clubs, the Joe Alt Fan Club and the Steve Angeli Fan Club. Well, let's see. Your one guy was the top-ranked offensive lineman in the country from the action last week. That's no surprise. And your guy, Steve Angeli, completed his first pass, and I noticed he had a big smile on his face. He He's now checked that box. He's not just a handoff quarterback. Pretty good day for your guys. Yeah, he had a, a big smile on his face because, you know, I was in his ear. They actually have a mic set up for me to talk to his yeah, so he's got a little earpiece, and I was just telling him, great job and everything. You know, hey, 100% completion percentage, uh, just take that to the bank. Um, great player, that Steve Angelic. But, yeah, seriously, you know, you know you're, you're hoping to see not a ton of Joe Walt on Saturday, and you're hoping to see a lot of Steve Angeli this Saturday. I think that kind of sums up what we're hoping to see when Notre Dame faces Tennessee State. Before we get into a couple of recruiting topics, can I just get your overall impression of the performance that you witnessed as Notre Dame hammered Navy 42-3? to Of course. What were your thoughts? Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to ask something specific. Yeah, I no. mean, it was just a good old-fashioned, <laughs> just good old-fashioned beatdown. I mean, the, I thought the, uh, Hartman looked fantastic. The running backs were great. You know, the, the whole five-headed – running back monster thing it's i i love it darren I, I, but i i don't know if i said this on your program or or, or which program i want so, so many different ones these days but like i i kind of compare the running back room to an nba bench where it's like when you're in the regular season you're going nine or ten deep on your roster but then when playoffs roll around you're going like seven so you know when, when push comes to shove are they really gonna take out audra guesstimate to give you know, Devin Ford, some carries, you know, if, if estimates rolling. So I think the running back room is, is still in it. it really, it's, it's just so darn good. But I, I don't think they're going to be running five guys every single game, at least in notable carries. Um, yeah, receivers, obviously, you, you're hoping for a, a big weekend from Tobias Merriweather after, you know, playing a good bit, but not recording a catch and then yeah defense uh, i mean actually sticking with the tight ends uh a lot of snaps not any real targets no receptions but you know marcus stream kind of alluded in his press conference today that that was more specific to navy and not 
maybe what you're going to see moving forward in terms of those guys just being, you know, more protectors than route runners and, uh, you know, catching passes. So, uh, and then, yeah, defensively, just stout is a stout performance. Uh, tackling is always an issue against Navy for whatever reason. Those guys are just hard to bring down. But all in all, I thought it was a pretty solid performance by Notre Dame. It's kind of interesting, Darren. I don't know if you've seen this just on, on Twitter. It's like, oh, everyone loves – everyone's kind of loving up Notre Dame. Are you seeing this? It's like, oh, yeah. Notre Dame has the quarterback. We kind of believe in Notre Dame. It's kind of interesting from, from what we're used to, Darren. Yeah, I think – people realize they've got a quarterback now and that is very very dangerous which kind of leads me into my next question because with you having been a recruiting insider blue and gold illustrated for all these players that are on Marcus Freeman's football team so you have a really good feel I think on who you thought was going to be productive who might be some of the guys that could be productive but need developed my question is is this and I'm going to try to keep it as generic as possible, but are you surprised how Marcus and this coaching staff have really gotten these twos and threes ready to play? And I know it was just Navy, as people say, but you still have to execute the defense. You have to know your assignments. You have to be physical. And those second and third teamers, they were very, very good, Mike, in this football game and on the offensive side as well. So are you surprised that we're seeing so much depth at this point in year two, game one of Marcus Freeman's tenure? No, not really. Because uh, even, yeah, it's year two, but it's, it's really year, it's re- year three for him because he did, mm-hmm. you know, he had that year as defensive coordinator. So that 2022 class, um, you know, it was, it was obviously a group that he had, you know, that Ben Morrison year. I mean, Freeman was pretty important in getting Ben Morrison to – not go to Washington like he wanted. Washington was Ben Morrison's dream school. Hmm. Uh, he was basically a commit to Washington, hadn't announced it yet, and then Marcus Freeman swoops in and flips things back towards the Irish. So it's, it's just a different caliber of recruiting, Darren. Like I think back to the, the 2021 class, which was Brian Kelly's last full class, and it had, I think, something like 27 players. Or, it, was, it was a pretty big class. And, you know, that was the COVID year where, you know, the, those you're evaluating just on the huddle for those high school seniors and um, you know you can't get out and see them in person but Notre Dame had a lot of whiffs in that cycle just a lot of like oh we trust our scouting and and you know we're gonna take some uh, or you know just kind of shoot for the stars and they Mm -hmm. missed a lot in that class Mm. I don't know, Dan. I just kind of like Marcus Freeman in this staff evaluations a little bit more right now. I just think they're kind of building deeper roster right now from, you know, 1 to 85. And maybe this is just me being a, you know, a guy who really believes in Marcus Freeman. But so you might take it with a grain of salt. I, I really do love the direction where this program's going. But I don't know. A long way to answer your question. No, I'm not surprised. Um I mean, but yeah, the twos and threes, I mean, you're just looking at big-time players across the board. One thing I, I, I'll leave you on this sure. last thought on this topic. Sure. When I talk to my Notre Dame sources, I hear this, this phrase a lot. Notre Dame's not going to take a guy just to take a guy. Like, they're not in the business of adding players who they don't think can contribute in an important way on that roster. And you must Notre Dame fans hearing that probably like, well, yeah, no duh. Was Brian Kelly not doing that? But I just think there's more of an emphasis 
on that now. Like Notre Dame's not recruiting high school specialists, you know, like like Brian Pullian was every year. Like Notre Dame, they're they're going to go out to the grad transfer route for that, you know. Like they're, I just think that they're much more um, dialed in uh, on some of this high school recruiting. There, and I, I definitely like what I've seen. Mike, how about a couple of Notre Dame commits or prospects that had some really good performances last Friday night on the high school football field? Yeah, Bodie Cahoot, a Notre Dame linebacker commit, who's actually from, I believe it is from Zionsville, currently plays his high school ball. He's been uh, in Virginia for the past several years. He has 17 tackles, um, 12 of them uh, solo and two tackles for loss. It's a really good performance from Notre Dame's linebacker commit. All three of the receivers, Logan Saldate, Cam Williams, and Micah Gilbert. I, I, this is just from memory, Darren. I don't have the stats in front of me right now, but they all went for over 100 yards. I believe each of them had at least one touchdown. The really strong outings from Notre Dame's receiver class. Um, I know Kedron Young down in Lufkin, Texas, the running back, had a, a really strong performance. And then uh, I'll leave you with one more. CJ Carr, Notre Dame's uh, very, very talented quarterback commit. Um, our blue, our blue and gold Kyle Kelly was there, and he said that he just had like a surgical type of performance uh, in a blowout win. So, um, yeah, and then as you know, the next couple weeks go, even more Notre Dame commits are on the field. I know, like up in the Northeast, those guys don't start like the season till a little bit later, so we'll get to see more of that. Um, and Aaron, like next week, we could be talking about a new Notre Dame commit. Too. Gerby Lambert seems to be nearing a decision. The the elite offensive tackle from Catholic Memorial in West Roxbury, Massachusetts. That's where Notre Dame signed Bubakar Traore. You know, he seems to be close to a decision. If you would have asked me at the beginning of August, hey, will Gerby Lambert pick a school by the end of the month? I would have said yes, absolutely. He still hasn't done so yet, but I do think he's getting closer and closer to a decision. And if you made me pick right now, I would say it's Notre Dame. So that's definitely something to keep an eye mm. on. Traore, interesting player. He caught the attention of the coaching staff during fall camp. Mike, I think he is someone they're extremely high on. What do you remember about watching him in high school or a conversation you had with him? I'll give you something even better than that. I will tell you that some of my sources believe that he can be a breakthrough player on the defensive line as the season goes on. So that would be something to keep an eye on. Like Darren Morrison, Ben Morrison, he kind of came along more as the season went on, correct? Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't. Hey, so I think that that could be a similar situation with Traore, where you know maybe there's an injury or something, or you know just kind of as he develops this fall, I wouldn't be surprised if he breaks through. But Traore, to be honest, I mean, he was pretty quiet. We didn't really get to talk to him a whole bunch, but. Always a, a nice kid, um, but yeah, I can't say I did, got to do too many interviews with them. Him and Lambert, they're just like, they, I think they would just rather play football than talk to, <laughs> talk to reporters, so I respect that. Nothing wrong with that. Hey, Mike, what's happening right now at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com? A lot, a lot, because I'm, I feel like I'm writing nonstop. We, I mean, we really do have wall-to-wall coverage at blueandgold.com between, you know, all of the recruiting coverage from myself and Kyle Kelly, uh, Jack Silva and Tyler Horka do a phenomenal job. Uh, so does Todd Burridge, a, a longtime veteran Notre Dame reporter, you know, covering the the team side of things. Uh, and then the YouTube aspect with myself, Tim Hyde, and Mike Goolsby, some 
some really interesting and entertaining YouTube shows that you guys can catch up on over the weekend live with us after the game and then Ghoul's B show Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern on, uh, on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. So just recommend folks to check all that out. Blueandgold.com, definitely make that your home for Notre Dame Fighting Irish football coverage. And he is Mike Singer. You'll read all about his work at blueandgold.com when it comes to Notre Dame football recruiting. Mike, thanks, thanks for jumping on here tonight. Greatly appreciate it. We will talk to you next week. All right. Thank you, Darren. Thank you, sir. Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated. Sports Beat Today brought to you by Budweiser, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, South Bend Orthopedics, Midland Engineering Company, Bethel University's Adult and Graduate Studies, by Legacy Heating and Air, Mishawaka Education Foundation. Folks, have a wonderful evening. We will talk to you again tomorrow night at 5 o'clock here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. After a check on the weather, South Bend Cubs baseball is coming up on WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.